Good morning, Mosaic. It's good to have you with us. It's a beautiful, sunny day. Love to have you come and join us for worship this morning. Would you uh, stand and join us? Starting to notice you are speaking. 
comes to your presence, when it comes to your voice, I'm learning to listen, just to rest in your nearness, I'm starting to notice you are to uh, the second Sunday of Lent. Uh, we'll, this morning we're going to dive into a little bit more of that. Um, and we'll, we'll talk a little bit, and, and some of the songs speak to it as well. Just some of our uh, moments of weakness, moments of being uh, in frail positions, uh, moments of need. Um, but my hope is that throughout that we can take a moment to stop and pause, see a little bit more about what is the Lord doing in those moments for us. Um, what's going on in the world around us? What's going on inside of us? Um, so my hope this morning is that during this time we can just take a step back, maybe pause for a bit, lay aside what's been going on during the week, um, and we can just hear from the Lord this morning. So I invite you to continue to sing with us as we go into worship. I need you to soften my heart, to break me apart, and I need you to open my eyes, to see that you're shaping my life. Great, I'm 
seat. Um, Landon, thank you. Like those words, that invitation to be present together. Um, for those of you who joined us a few weeks ago, Kurt on his 50th birthday, well, it wasn't his exact birthday, but for his 50th birthday, gave us a beautiful message. And candidly, I've been sitting with the words he shared. It is good to be here. And I don't know about you, but this season, there's things in my life where I'm like, it's not very good to be here right now. Um, part of that is the Nebraska weather that we haven't been used to after having been gone for a year. This, this place is crazy. It's like, uh, you just never know what to wear. It's pretty much awful most days. And then some days are brilliant. Um, and there's a sense of like, oh, this is just lingering. Like I'm ready for spring and you sort of feel it in the air, like as the sun starts to break. Even this morning, I'm like, it's supposed to be sunny in 65 and you wake up and it's cold. Like, what is wrong with this place? <laughs> but it's good to be here. Like, it's good to be here. And I've been holding on to those words as sort of an invitation, a prophetic call to, to, to slow down and be present in this season of Lent. So for those of you who aren't um, familiar with Lent, I actually wanna read what, what Kurt had posted on our Instagram. Instagram is mostly, mostly worthless, but in fact, there's some good things every once in a while. And the Mosaic Instagram is actually worth following. Um, okay, so Kurt wrote, Lent is derived from an old English word meaning springtime. But in Latin, lente, sorry, I don't know Latin very well if I'd pronounce that wrong, means slowly. Lent lifts our gaze to the coming of spring and invites us to slow down our lives so that we can see ourselves more clearly. Now, in a lot of traditions, that may mean like setting something aside. Maybe it's changing what we eat or a behavior that we have. Something in our lives that gives us room, creates space, intentionality to sort of reflect and connect our lives to the journey that Jesus went on 
ahead of Easter. And so for these 40 days, we slow down and we try to be present to see ourselves more clearly. And Christian tradition, Lent's 40 days before Easter, it reminds us of the Israelites, 40 years in the wilderness. We kind of explored that through the Advent season this year as well. But after their release, and after their release from captivity in Egypt, and Lent points us to those 40 days of Jesus in the wilderness. In slowing us down, Lent invites us to feel our smallness, to feel our vulnerability, to feel our fears, and to open ourselves up to the chaos of the desert within us and that surrounds us so that we can finally give God's love an opportunity to nourish us. That is this invitation of Lent, to slow ourselves down, to connect with those places in our lives that maybe we're longing for something different. We're gonna unpack this this morning, but I actually wanna start us really differently. I wanna really try to slow us down. How many of you have ever um, participated in the spiritual practice called Lectio Divina? Many of you. I have um, found this to be a gift in my life. I've never in my life used it in a room this large. So this might bomb, we'll see. But we're gonna give it a shot. So Lectio Divina is a way of reading scripture. I think so often in my spiritual journey, scripture has been sort of this thing to, to like master. What does it say exactly? And um, do I know the right interpretation of it? But Lectio kind of flips that around and it says, how might this text master us and be present with us? and let it inf inform slowly the ways in which we interact with God. Not to master it, not to have it all figured out, but to just sit with it. So we're gonna try this. I invite you to get in a comfortable position. Maybe even close your eyes, however you connect with God. Um, but I invite you to get to a comfortable position. I'm gonna actually read this week's lectionary passages out of Psalm 121. I'm gonna read it four times. This first time, I just invite you to just listen. Try to open your heart. Maybe take a few deep breaths and let's slow ourselves down together. Psalm 121. I lift my eyes to the hills. From where does my help come? My help comes from the Lord the maker of heaven and earth. He will not let your foot slip. He who watches over you will not slumber. Indeed, he who watches over Israel will neither slumber nor sleep. The Lord watches over you. The Lord is your shade at your right hand. The sun will not harm you by day nor the moon by night. The Lord will keep you from all harm. He will watch over your life. The Lord will watch over your coming and going, both now and forevermore. As I read this a second time, I invite you to listen for a word or a phrase that stands out for you. It could be a single word, could be a portion of the, of the text. What is it that the Spirit may pull forward in a slow, kind way? Is there just a single word, a few words? 
let those rise and then sit with just those few words. I lift up my eyes to the hills. From where does my help come? My help comes from the Lord, the maker of heaven and earth. He will not let your foot slip. He who watches over you will not slumber. And did he who watches over Israel will neither slumber nor sleep. The Lord watches over you. The Lord is your shade at your right hand. The sun will not harm you by day nor the moon by night. The Lord will keep you from all harm. He will watch over your life. The Lord will watch over your coming and going, both now and forevermore. Sit with that word or phrase. Maybe repeat it to yourself in your mind. this next reading, I invite you to allow those words to become a prayer, a dialogue, whatever prayer may mean to you. Maybe it's simply a, a continued sort of reflection and meditation on those few words. Maybe it's actually a, a bit of an inner dialogue with God deep within your own heart and soul. Allow these words to become a prayer. I lift my eyes up to the hills. From where does my help come? My help comes from the Lord, the maker of heaven and earth. He will not let your foot slip. He who watches over you will not slumber. Indeed, he who watches over Israel will neither slumber nor sleep. The Lord watches over you. The Lord is your shade at your right hand. The sun will not harm you by day nor the moon by night. The Lord will keep you from all harm. He will watch over your life. The Lord will watch over your coming and going, both now and forevermore. I read this text one last time. The invitation is that these words might somehow shape us. How might we live differently just in a few moments today based on what it is that God is inviting us to through these words? I lift up my eyes to the hills. Where does my help come from? My help comes from the Lord, the maker of heaven and earth. He will not let your foot slip. He who watches over you will not slumber. Indeed, he who watches over Israel will neither slumber nor sleep. The Lord watches over you. The Lord is your shade 
at your right hand. The sun will not harm you by day nor the moon by night. The Lord will keep you from all harm. He will watch over your life. The Lord will watch over your coming and going, both now and forevermore. Oh, how high would I climb mountains if the mountains were where you are? And oh, how far I'd scale the valleys if you graced the other side. And oh, how long have I chased rivers from lowly seas to where they rise? Against the rush of grace descending from the source of its supply. Cause in the highlands and the heartache, you're neither more or less inclined. I would search and stop at nothing. You're just not that hard to find. And I will praise you on the mountain. I will praise you in the mountains in my way. You're the summit where my feet are. I will praise you in the valleys all the same. No less God within the shadows. No less faithful when the night leads me astray. You're the heaven where my heart is. And in the highlands and the heartache all the same. extend the path from where your feet rest on the sunrise to where you sweep the sinners past and oh how fast would you come running if just a shadow me through the night and trace my steps through all my failures and walk me out the other side Cause in the highlands and the heartache You're neither more or less inclined And I would search and stop at nothing You're just not that hard to find I will praise you on the mountain 
And I will praise you in the mountains in my way. You're the summit where my feet are. And I will praise you in the valleys all the same. No less God within the shadows. No less faithful when the night leads me astray. You're the heaven where my heart is. And in the highlands and the heartache all the same. this morning. I thank you for the, the ways that you continue to speak to us and work within us. And for that, we are so grateful. We lift these praises up to you. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you, Mosaic. You may be seated. Thank you, Landon and team. That Man, that last song gets me every time. Um, Ah, it is good to be here. Uh, fair warning, teaching through PowerPoint. Never done this before. No idea if this is going to work. James has moved closer. It wasn't working super great this morning, but we're going for it. All right. Um, Lent. That, also, thank you for just being present with me. 
um, in that reading. Like, there's something about just slowing down that is so unique, I think, in our world today, um, that even just that simple practice, the fact that however many of us there are, together, silence, quiet, slowing down, like there's something really beautiful about it. Okay, so today where we, we want to unpack this idea of Lent. Um, started about 10 days ago, last week's reading. We're going to start there, but we're going to look at three separate stories. Click one, unsuccessful. James is my guy. He's just going to do it with me. We're going to see how this goes. We're going to talk about three things today, three stories, if you will. Uh, the wilderness, some waves, and the wind. They all start with W. I don't normally do that either. Um, the wilderness, this first passage, um, Kurt's writing on Instagram even spoke to this. This 40 days of Lent really reflects and mirrors as a church rhythm, our connection to Jesus, spending these 40 days in the wilderness, which is much like the Israelites, 40 years in the desert as well. So we're gonna start there. Click two didn't work. I'm giving up on this thing. Okay, Matthew chapter four. If you want to follow along, uh, feel free. Otherwise, I've got all the texts up on screen uh, this week. But it says, Then Jesus was led by the Spirit into the desert to be tempted by the devil. And after fasting 40 days and 40 nights, he was hungry. Now a few things. The context, one. Jesus has just been baptized by John. The heavens part. God declares, this is my son. He launches into ministry. Now I work in advertising. And we do a lot of like product launches and big moments. And there's this idea that Jesus has spent his entire life sort of preparing for this moment of ministry. And the Israelites have been waiting 400 years for this Messiah to come. There's a lot of anticipation in this moment. And he's baptized and the heavens break forth. And if you're me, you're thinking, now's when we go. This is big. Like everybody knows, they saw the heavens open up. Jesus is the Messiah. He's here. He's going to start like doing the thing, and immediately he is called to go to the desert. Now, like we had some momentum, and now we're not going to do the thing yet. And if, and if I'm there on the scene, I'm, there's, there's part of me that's like, wait, what's going, this is different. Didn't expect this. And you'd, you'd, you'd see in some ways, like, what a loss of, like, momentum in our modern way of, like, starting a movement, right? And yet here the Spirit is leading Jesus into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. There's so much to theologically unpack here. We're not gonna get into all of it, but the fact that Jesus, both God and man being tempted by the, there's just so many questions and so many things. I love it. You could just go endlessly. And then I really love this, that Matthew, the writer says, after fasting 40 days and 40 nights, he was hungry. Like, no, duh, Sherlock. I'm hungry after four hours. But it's interesting to me I find, I find myself really curious that at the beginning of his ministry, where does he go? He doesn't go do the thing right away. Goes to the wilderness. Oh, that's, that's really interesting. Goes to the place, I mean, I, even looking geographically at what wilderness represents, barren, rocky, like not kind. Um, and yet that's where we find Jesus starting, which sort of leads to this question for me. Where in our lives... Is there wilderness in this Lent season? I think for all of us, it's some way, shape, or form. There's something we're sort of sitting with, wrestling through. And I think that that's what this Lent season really offers us is an invitation into those places to be really present with the places of wilderness in our lives. 
Maybe where we're longing for change, hoping for something new or something fresh. You know, as we even progress sort of through the Advent season in this triumphant moment of like Christ's birth and this season of epiphany that like, it's not gonna be the way it has been. Something new is happening. Resurrection is coming. And yet even within that proclamation, Lent is sort of an invitation of like, and yet here we are. We have so much hope in this way of Jesus, of his kingdom that has come on, on earth and our invitation into upend all of the, the evil and injustice of this world that he's, he's brought forth something so new. And yet here we are often seasons of wilderness. And I think as we slow down in this season, it's a question for all of us. An invitation to sort of be aware, not rush through it, not try to fix it, escape it, but to be present with it. Where are you in the wilderness? Story continues, gets even wilder. Except now I can't find it. Let's just use the slides. Then the tempter came to him and he said, if you're the son of God, tell these stones to become bread. So now remember, bread, he's hungry. They just told us that, which we needed them to tell us because we didn't know what it would be like after 40 days to not eat. So the tempter comes and says, if you're the son of God, tell the stones to become bread. You're probably really hungry, that would work. And, and if you're who you say you are. But Jesus answered, it is written, Man shall not live on bread alone, but on every word that comes from the mouth of God. So temptation one, something super practical, food, something we all need, right? Like a daily thing. The next one, then the devil took him to the holy city, the, the place of sort of all religious sort of centeredness. And he had him stand on the highest point of the temple. And if you're the son of God, throw yourself down for it's written, he will command his angels concerning you and they will lift you up in their hands so that you will not strike your foot against a stone. Now, remember, he's God, he could do this, right? But Jesus answered him, it is also written, do not put the Lord your God to the test. So this first one is like food, something really practical. This next one is sort of like this sense of like, oh yeah, you, you're, you're it, like this religious piety, prove it. Like you've got this all spiritually under control, Here's your chance, show us. And yet Jesus says, nah, it's not how it works. We don't, we don't need to test God in that way. And then he goes on the third temptation. Again, the devil took him to a very high mountain and he showed him all the kingdoms of the world and their splendor. And all of this I will give you, he said, if you will bow down and worship me. Sense of like sort of political empire to run it all, to rule it all. I don't know if religion and politics ever gets confused in our world, but if it did, it's interesting that he's tempted with it, right? All of it could be yours. All you have to do, bow down to me. These temptations, all three of them, Jesus in the wilderness, and he's tempted to sort of care for himself practically, right? Like he's hungry. He's tempted to take religion and leverage control and sort of rule over everything through politics and power. And yet in every one of these temptations, Jesus says, that's not what I'm here for. That's not this way. Um, there are these three powers. Uh, I think it's the next slide. Yeah, the power of like self-sufficiency. I can take care of myself. I don't need help. If you're like me, that's a temptation. Comes up a lot. The power of religious piety for us to be right. 
for us to be the ones in control, for us to have it all figured out and have all the answers so that they're wrong and I'm right and I can prove that. Like I can relate to these temptations deeply, especially that second one on Facebook. Very often it's taken a lot of self-control. I've finally unfollowed a lot of people, but I can relate to that one too. And then the power pull, we know this. These are a part of our lives, all of us in some way, shape or form. And that's where Jesus begins in the wilderness with this invitation to take power and control over. And yet Lent is sort of this invitation to step into this way of Jesus and to sit with these things and to not, not actually take that power, but to say, you know what? I'm gonna leave that for God to take care of. I'm gonna stay present here. And that is how Jesus began his ministry. That's where this whole thing starts. This upside down sort of backwards way of seeing a season of wilderness when he probably had every reason to say, you know what, I am gonna do these things. Here Jesus is showing us a completely different way in the world. He finishes um, this section, Matthew finishes this section. And Jesus said to him, away from me, Satan. For it is written, worship the Lord your God and serve him only. When I think about my own seasons of wilderness, it's really easy to wanna take over control. What does it look like to say, you know what, God, I don't know where this all goes, but I'm gonna gonna let you write the story. I'm I'm gonna come and find your way amidst this, not mine. And that's where we begin. That's this invitation of this Lenten season. Sort of join Jesus in that that sense of self-emptying and being really present in those places of wilderness in our lives. That's wilderness. Um, next story. I think I have a question at the end. Oh, a statement. May we resist the temptation of power and control in our seasons of wilderness. That's tough. I know for me, we're gonna talk about this in the next section, but I know for me, it's really easy to wanna just take control over the things that I think I can or even the things that I rightfully can't, but I still want to and run from the wilderness. Lent is an invitation sort of stay here and be aware. Okay, next one, waves. This one's really fun. So um, when I think about my life, James, you can hit that next one. Uh, when I think about my life, I thought it would kind of flow like this. Uh, I st- I, when I was born, apparently I didn't start at zero. I was already ahead of things, <laughs> which is great. Um, but I sort, of, I sort of saw it as this like, you know, slow start, but then a, a pretty solid ascent through my 20s and 30s and maybe 40s. And then, and then just sort of like hitting a peak where you like kind of have it figured out, got it together. And so far it's gone absolutely nothing like this, right? Like this is, this is the flow of my actual life. This sense of like, I'm gonna, I'm gonna have these moments where I feel like I've come so far and I've grown. I actually use this, um, so I teach a lot of like workshops on how to come up with good ideas. I work in advertising, it's weird. But anyway, people are always trying to come up with like the next best idea. And oftentimes, if you think about anything in your life where you're trying to like start something new, train for a marathon, went for a run yesterday, that went terrible. Uh, But you start out of the gates and there's a lot of energy and there's a sense of hope. I think of even that story of like, like Jesus's baptism in the heavens part, you're like, there is momentum here, something's changing. And we all get to that point where like, oh, this is really good. Like there's, I figured something out here. I got this. But then so often life has its way of kind of pulling us back down to the wilderness. <laughs> and you bottom out. <laughs> and for me, I know I've been really tempted in this moment 
when you get really down in, the, in, the, in those seasons of wilderness and you start to question everything, am I any good? Will I ever come up with another good idea? Will I ever get this figured out? Can I run four miles again ever in my life? Right, and, and we, can, we can start to doubt a lot and we can start to question ourselves and it can start to get really hard here. And so often I'll revert back. I'll be like, well, but that thing, that worked. Or like, that's who I really am. Or that's the best idea. And we'll, and we'll wanna like quickly get out of that wilderness. And so often what that means is we kind of go back to, and you can see this in systems and families, like when you hit those points where there's just tension, it's like, well, that's not who we are. So we're gonna go back to kind of the way we've always done it, right? It's not how we do it here. I don't know how many times I've, been li- I've told that in my life in spiritual context. But I think this invitation of Jesus and the invitation of Lent is like, what does it look like to stay here? Because I really have deeply come to believe in my life that when I'm willing to stay in the wilderness and in those low points of my life, it's there that something new is birthed in me that helps me see the world in a new way, that helps me believe something different about my own heart, my own story, about what could be. And while it's a longer ascent from there, I actually believe that if we ride out these lows, if we stay present in them, we get to the really good stuff. And it starts to transform us and we let those things soften us and challenge us and shape us and they take us to new places. So whatever that wilderness season is, I think of even the story of Jesus in the wilderness, of course he's God. He kind of knew where this whole thing was gonna go and crescendo, but at the same time, very human being tempted. There's part of me, I mean, you can see it in his life. Like the moments before his death, God, if there's any way you can do this different, please, I take it. Like you can see that humanity and yet he stayed on this journey. You see that throughout the history of the church and the writers in the book of Acts, like the moments of low and struggle. And yet when we stay, something beautiful starts to emerge. Um, in fact, I wanna go back to this Psalm 121 for just a moment, because actually Kurt and I were having coffee and he shared this insight that was like profound. So I wanna share it with you. First of all, Psalm 121 is called a song of ascent. And, and that was actually in the last song we sang. It's this sense of, flip back one for me, James. It's a, it's a song where we actually maybe are at the bottom and can find our way back up. You get it. This, nope, there it is, there it is. It's just a slight delay. It's cool, we're working things out. Uh, but it's this song and a psalm for those low points. Where does my help come from? Okay, so let's look at this. Psalm 121, just one verse. And actually just two words. I lift my eyes up to the mountains. From where will my help come? Now, these, these two words, from where, are actually fascinating when you dive into them. The Hebrew here, um, from where, my ayin, ayin means actually from nothing. So you could translate that verse, from nothing does my help come. Now at first you're like, that's backwards. What, I don't, that's like super nihilistic. So there's no hope. It's like got this very Ecclesiastes vibes to it. But when you, when you look at this word nothing in, in the Hebrew and what it actually means originally, the opposite of this is this word yesh. And yesh means something. It has form, it has structure. It has something I could maybe touch or taste or feel or see. Something is like controllable. This word ayin, nothing, go ahead and flip to that next one, means boundless, without beginning without end. It's as if nothing is this place in which God can do anything. 
not at all like maybe what we thought it would be or what we'd hoped it would be. But when we get to those moments of wilderness, like I love what this Psalm invites us from where does our help come? It comes from this expansive space where we honestly have lost everything and that's the perfect place for God to meet us and do something we never expected. Like what a simple thing that just is like, ah, we could stop there and I think we'd have plenty. Like that's so good. Um, and, I, and I think that for me, as I think about the season of Lent, it's an invitation every year to be with those places, those lows in our lives, to recognize the emptiness of them and to allow God to join us in those moments and invite something new. You can go ahead and flip forward for me. May we believe that Christ meets us in those emptiness of our lows. Jesus, 40 days in the wilderness, wrestling, you see it over and over in scriptures, the lows where God shows up present and does something beautiful in our hearts and in our stories. And I would imagine that if you were to chart your own story, those moments of highs probably often follow some serious moments of lows where we learn more about who we are and who God has made us to be, where we find the world going through a collective trauma, but somehow we rally and it moves us forward together in a deeper, more holistic, more beautiful way. Last story for us. I don't know why I'm still holding this. The wind, the wind. Um, this one comes out of John chapter three. And this one also has like wild context. In the chapter before this, um, Jesus is in the temple. And what does Jesus do when he's in the temple? He like rage quits the temple and he flips the tables over because they had all bought in to didn't recognize this connection until just now. Uh, the temptation that Jesus had in the desert for religious piety and control. And they had sort of taken the temple and turned it into this place of, of commerce and control and power. And Jesus upends all of that. And so the religious leaders of this day are probably like, who's this cowboy? What's he up to? He's claiming to be God, but then he's doing this. None of this adds up. That's the context, which is really fun. And now there's this Pharisee, a man named Nicodemus, who is a member of the Jewish ruling council. So he is one of these in power. He's one of these leading this whole thing. And what does he do? He comes to Jesus at night, probably for a lot of reasons. <laughs> um, but he comes to Jesus with all sorts of questions. And he says, Rabbi, we know that you are a teacher who has come from God. Also interesting starting point. We know there's something about you that is so much more for no one could perform the signs you are doing if God were not with him. Next slide. And Jesus replied, very truly, I tell you, no one can see the kingdom of God unless they are born again. And Nicodemus replies, how can someone be born when they are old? Surely they cannot enter a second time into their mother's womb to be born. Surely, that's insane. And Jesus answered, very truly, I tell you, no one can enter the kingdom of God unless they are born of water and the spirit. Flesh gives birth to flesh, but the spirit gives birth to spirit. You should not be surprised. I don't know how you wouldn't be surprised at me saying you must be born again. Let's hold here for a second. So, so Nicodemus, all, all of the religious leaders are like, who is this knucklehead? And he's claiming to be God and he's turning over tables and he secretly comes and he says, I know something's happening, but I don't get it and I can't quite see it. Nicodemus and all the religious leaders have been waiting 400 years for this Messiah to come, comes in the form of this virgin birth, 
They're all wondering, is this actually it? Could he really be the king? Most of them think, no, maybe, probably not. But Nicodemus has to know more. And so in the night he goes and Jesus tells him some wild thing about being born again, not of flesh and blood, but of water and of spirit. And Nicodemus has to be just like, nothing makes sense. And in his own wilderness, wrestling through, what is this? How do we go forward? Where do we go from here? Let's take a look at how it continues to play out. And Jesus says, the wind blows wherever it pleases. You hear its sound, but you cannot tell where it comes from or where it's going. So it is with everyone born of the spirit. Nicodemus, love this line. How can this be? Hmm. In his own wilderness, how can this be? How did we get here? I mean, there's so much there, right? Like if I'm Nicodemus, how did we get here? Is this really true? What, would they, what does that actually mean? Spirit, flesh, like born again? So many questions. And Jesus offers this beautiful metaphor. The wind, sorry, let's hop back one second. The wind, you can't hear it, you can't tell where it's going. Something happening, something beautiful. You see, in our own seasons of wilderness, when we stay present and we allow ourselves to go into those places of our own stories that are just hard and difficult or full of mystery and question, God is always with us, one, in those moments, but two, he shows up so often in ways we never expected, in ways that maybe don't logically make sense, where what I would have done is sort of take over control and form the story in a way that made sense to me. God's like, no, 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 like you, you, you can't see it, you don't quite get it, like it's, it's like this, this breath that just blows and it takes you forward in ways that you never saw coming. I'm gonna fast forward just a little bit. They continue to dialogue, but it ends in this moment where John writes, God did not send his son into the world to condemn it, but to save the world through him. There is this sense that even in these moments of wilderness, like God is for us. I don't know what it is that you're wrestling through in this Lent season. I don't know what it is that you're longing for some sort of freshness or to take over power and control, but I know that Lent is this invitation to just slow down and be present with those places. Not to rush and hurry back to the last thing that worked or to the thing we think that needs to happen, but to allow the fresh spirit, the spirit to bring a fresh wind, to, to birth something new that maybe we didn't even think was possible. That is this invitation of Lent, that as we journey alongside the road that Jesus sort of took leading up to Easter, at the end of the day, we know the story's not over. It doesn't end in the wilderness. We believe that as people of followers of Jesus. But how we get there is still really hard. And yet God meets us. And with songs of ascent, we remind one another, it doesn't end here, but no matter where the wilderness may be in our lives, May God show up and do something extraordinarily different and new and beautiful than we ever expected. I'm gonna invite the, the band back up. They're gonna close us with a song. Uh, but as, as they come up, I, I wanna offer us this, this final um, prayer that I've been praying in my own life. And if there's anything we do this week, I, I just didn't, or the next few weeks, I would just invite you to sit with this. Lord Jesus, may I believe that newness is possible. As we move our way towards Easter, 
and this sense of hope, even as we like anticipate maybe some afternoon sunshine today, may we believe that newness is possible. And our hearts and our stories and those tough places that God is doing something, that resurrection is around the corner, even if we don't know that it can look anything like what we would hope. May we believe that newness is possible. This last slide kind of brings that all together. The invitation for us. May we slow ourselves down and become aware and grateful. Grateful is real hard for the wilderness in our lives trusting and believing that it can teach us, it can shape us, that if we stay, if we ride out those lows, we can get to those beautiful places and it's so hard to be there, but may we become aware and grateful for the wilderness in our lives that we might believe that newness is possible. And as we take communion, it's actually a beautiful reminder, just the, the, a few nights before Jesus' betrayal, he, he meets with his disciples and he tells us thousands of years later, do this. My body, it's broken. I traveled this road with you. I know what you're going through. And my body, it's here to be present with you and broken to, to show you that like I am for you. I have walked this road with you. It's a reminder we take today. Christ's body broken, his blood shed, promising that this isn't the end of the story. That I'm writing all of these things in new ways that you couldn't even imagine. And so as we take communion, may we be reminded of Christ's body broken for us, his blood shed, that we might have hope. Juan and Molly are going to actually lead us in communion. I um, invite you, once this song is playing, feel free to make your way to the back of the room, kind of work your way along this blue wall over here. And may this be an opportunity to be present with one another in those seasons of wilderness. And remember that in those places, God knows what it is that we experience, what we wrestle with. And somehow might we believe that newness is possible. We invite you to stand and worship with us. Come forward whenever you're ready for communion. How could we recount the ways that you have multiplied our faith? The wisdom of your ways, the currents of your grace expressed in every moment, every wave. The longing of our souls In the darkness where we go You are there, you are love You are all together good In the weakness of our faith In the silence where we wait You are here, you're enough You are all together good Through our joys and in our griefs, 
have led us to believe the wisdom of your ways the currents of your grace express only hope for all our days in the longing of our souls in the darkness where we go you are there you are love you are all together good in the weakness of our faith in the silence where we wait you are here you're enough you are all together
you sing this with us, Lizanne? And I love you, Lord. I love you, Lord. You're all together good. You are my more. The holy present and pure. And I standing, so I'm going to stand up here. Mosaic, my friends, it's good to be here. And may we slow ourselves down in these coming weeks of Lent. Be present with those places in our lives where we long for new birth, new life, new hope, new clarity, and believe that somehow in this way of Jesus that newness is possible that hope is around the corner. But may we not hurry ourselves to that yet. Let's be here. It's good to be here. Thank you so much for coming and being here with us and venturing with me into the awkward spaces of quiet Lectio readings. We'll be together again here in two weeks. Would love to, uh, to be present with you again. Have an awesome rest of your week. Enjoy today's sunshine and warmth. Um, may newness be possible. Have an awesome week.